Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 38. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by Matt Nine. Today, we are going to talk about the playoffs. And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. That's right. The fantasy football playoffs are here. Finally, a long wait to get here. Um, But this is the most exciting time. This is this is what we play for is the playoffs. We are going to help you go win your league. We've helped you uh, build a, a dynasty roster, a redraft roster. We've helped you along the way, so that's not going to stop now. Matt and I are going to talk about some players who have been really good lately, kind of out of nowhere. And we're going to talk about if you can trust them in the playoffs and and what their long-term value is and and if they should be started or not, basically. Uh, We're going to talk about some playoff matchups that we like, get you geared up and ready. There might be some guys that are still on waivers that have really good uh, matchups out there. Maybe you don't have a trade deadline. You can go acquire some guys, and maybe you just have to make some tough decisions in your lineup. So we'll help you uh, sort through all that and determine the playoff uh, strength of schedules. And then we'll talk about you know rebuilding strategies and, and players to target for the future uh, via trade or waiver wire. And, of course, we will cover uh, future gas prices as well. Remember to head on over to the Patreon patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts head on over to ffballallday.com those are the places our content is coming through we've got some changes to the patreon structure so go check that out and subscribe we have obviously a ton of stuff that you know has geared you up for the playoffs but we're gonna have a ton of stuff coming in the offseason as well which i'm really excited about so uh for now matt let's let's get into the playoff talk just freestyle this and and you know talk about any guys that we want here but I want to talk about some players that have performed well and outperformed expectations such as Hunter Renfro I mean he's the guy everybody's talking about kind of I don't want to say came out of nowhere because he's been a big part of that offense but nobody expected him to be this good and this reliable so just want to ask you on these players if you're buying or selling their recent performances can they keep it up should they be in playoff lineups and and what is their you know dynasty value long term? So let's start there with with Hunter Renfro. What do you think about him? For me personally, I think I'm selling. Uh, if you're in redraft, I, you obviously hold. Trade de- trade deadline is probably passed. You play him in the playoffs, obviously. But in dynasty, I think you're selling. I think you, you might be able to honestly get a late first for him, maybe a couple seconds or something like that. There was a report this morning that barring something unexpected, this will be Derek Carr's last season in Las Vegas. Uh, they're expected to fire Mike Mayock as GM and bring in a new head coach, a new GM. 
Uh, Derek Carr has one year left worth $20 million. He's going to be on the trade market next year. You're going to have guys like Watson, Wilson, Rodgers, and then probably Derek Carr will be the next guy up, followed by guys like Mitch Trubisky and Gardner Minshew. So I do think Derek Carr does find another home next year. And then then who's who's the next quarterback in Vegas? Now, if you have one of those other guys, like for some reason Rodgers or Wilson ends up there, then, then obviously Renfro is – is still a popular target, I think, but there's just no way to bank on that. I, I think you cash out on what is he? Twenty six years old, twenty seven years old, something he's, like that. He's twenty eight. Yeah, I'm cashing out on on the slot guy who's who is really good at beating linebackers. Um, but he, he's, I'm sorry, he can't... no, he's I'm sorry, he's turning twenty six. I had him confused, oh. so he's a little younger than I thought, but. Even still, if you can get a first or a couple seconds with this class or even in the 2023 class, I'm doing that all day right now. For sure. And I think in addition to the the potential turnover with the organization and with Derek Carr, I mean, you can see how much this offense misses somebody like Henry Ruggs. So they're going to look to add, you know, they, they already brought in Deshaun Jackson and and he's, he's, he's you know, well past his prime, but they're certainly going to look to bring in another player like that that can get down the field and, and stretch the field. You know, I don't know about Brian Edwards, but they they could use him, that possession type receiver, and then obviously Darren Waller across the middle. And I think Renfro has really benefited from Waller's absence because Renfro's not stretching the field. He's not getting, we've talked about valuable targets before, the value of targets. I think Corey wrote about it before the season and his, if you look on player profiler, his target quality rating is 5.5, which is 45th in the league. So, and you would expect with his, you know, his role and his recent production, you'd expect that to be higher. So the fact that his targets are not very quality, I guess, uh, you know, makes me a little weary on his, his future. I, I think he's fine, but if you yeah. can get like a, a late first, maybe even early second or, you know, another good young, young player. Uh, I think you definitely would do that, but how are you feeling? Do you trust him in the playoffs right now? Uh, I will say that since the playoffs start this week, if you are out of the playoffs, I would submit an offer to him for any of those uh, for a first round pick and send him to any of those guys that are in the playoffs. I think that's the move to do this evening, but, it, but okay, that's fair. But if he's on your roster, he's playing, who He's at yeah, what, what, against Denver and then at Indy? So that's a, t- a that's a tough schedule. schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you're playing him if you don't have any other options. I mean, he's got you this far, right? I think it's important to note that a lot of, as you mentioned, this production or how much of it has come with Waller out. When Waller comes back, what does that look like? I think it's also safe to say that Foster Moreau is not an identical replacement to Darren Waller. Yes, a lot of people but, really liked Moreau. Yeah, but but again, I think it's just one of those things. If you're not in the playoffs, I think you're trying to sell Renfro. If you're in and you need him, then you need him. But if you if he's your wide receiver four or five, then I would look to maybe flip him for a, a higher pick. Maybe one of those those teams that barely missed the playoffs. Somebody's like, oh dang, I wish I had a you know a good quality wide receiver two or wide receiver three. Maybe you can grab their first at the you know for a mid round first or uh, a mid round second. Yeah, I mean, because if you're you know for the contenders out there, it's worth maybe overpaying for a guy like this that you can you know help help with your title run. So I'm with you there. Um, let's talk about your guy, 
Rashad Penny, you've been, you know, preaching that when he gets on the field and when he gets his opportunity, he's he's going to be, a, you know, potential breakout guy. And I think it happened later than you or anybody had hoped, uh, but it came. And, you know, I wrote in my weekly for review now. this week for now. And that's what I, I, I referenced in my weekly review. He's had the each of the past two seasons. He's had a hundred yard game where it looked like, OK, maybe, you know, maybe we got something here. And then he kind of falls off again and, and gets injured. So um, I guess, uh, you know, I know you, you're a fan of Penny, but are, are you kind of buying this performance? Is there more to come? Are you trusting him in the playoffs? So two years ago, when he and Carson were sharing a backfield, there was about a three or four game stretch where it just seemed to click for him finally. And they were splitting snaps. Penny was still averaging like 90 scrimmage yards a game and, touchdown he ran all over the vikings uh on like monday night football or something like that and then i mean he was just on fire for two games in a row and i it was finally looking like you know seattle was going to get that first round investment that they had put in him and then you know the rams game he tore his acls mcl you know just total knee reconstructive surgery and we didn't really get to see any of him at all last year except in small small blurbs and then this year, he's just been battling injuries again. We, we've seen, like you said, small glimpses here and there. Uh, he looked good last week, you know, against San Francisco. And I was kind of excited that he was playing well. And then he got a lot of run this week. And, I mean, he absolutely ran all over Houston, which is just really exciting to see. Because I've been saying since day one, like, we can argue whether Seattle overdrafted him or not. I feel like we're past that point. But talent's never been a question for him. I, I, I truly believe that he is a top-tier running back talent in the NFL. His problem is just not being able to stay healthy. And if, you know, you're not available, you can't play, you can't produce. So, you know, I, I spent a first-round draft pick, rookie draft pick on him a few years ago because, you know, it's my squad drafting a running back for a team that likes to feature one guy, you know, a la Marshawn Lynch, Chris Carson. And here we are again, and – Pete Carroll said, I believe it was this morning, that he's earned the right to start for the rest of the season to move forward, uh, moving forward, at least for the next four games. And I think, honestly, his career in Seattle is going to come down to these next four games. I think if he balls out uh, against the rest of these teams like he did Houston, there's a chance they resign him for cheap and he comes back next year and at, at a minimum splits the field with Carson again, uh, but could potentially be the guy. Uh, they. They invested a first into him. And Pete Carroll said today that he is the last guy to waver on players. I feel like we've seen that. You know, they take chances on guys with character issues all the time. You know, Alden Smith was on the team. They tried to trade for him last year. He was on the team all the way up until like week two this year or something like that. Like they want guys that have the talent, even though there might be some background concerns, injury concerns, or something like that. So as long as Penny is healthy, I believe he's the starter for this team. He has the talent. Uh, to be a three down back he's I think the biggest improvement that I've seen even since his knee injury which is kind of a weird thing to say I think his pass pro has been pretty phenomenal he had a really good pass block uh, last week to, to protect Russell so I don't know if I'm necessarily buying I'm kind of I don't want to advocate for him in fantasy anymore obviously it's very cost dependent you know like if you can get a, him for a fourth then I would if you can sell him for an early second and I consider it. I've, I'm not going to sell, you know, personally. I, I drafted him with the first four years ago. He's on my squad. I, he, I'm he i riding the ship till the wheels fall off. So, yeah, he's just, one of the, it's just one of those things. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that it's it's just tough to sell because the upside is tremendously high, but you know if you trade him, you're not getting, you know, peak value for him because there's so much risk, but he could potentially be worth so much more. So it's tough. Um, I will say, you know, looking at the playoffs here, he's he's got a little bit of a tough schedule. I mean, he plays the Rams next week, uh, then Chicago and Detroit. So those are good matchups. And if you look, I mean, his he had a 57% snap share, which is a career high. He had never seen that many snaps before. 16 carries, career high. 138 yards, career high. Two total touchdowns uh, tied his career high. So they're going to use him. Like you said, they want to figure out if if they want to keep him around or not. So they're going to use him these next few weeks. Yeah. And at this point, with with a lot of injuries and, and you know, question marks in people's lineups, he's not a bad flex play because you know, you know, pending his health, he's going to be on the field getting some run. And especially this is a team that's probably going to experience a lot of turnover as you know, Matt, and they're probably not going to be investing another high draft pick in a running back. They're probably not going to be paying some free agent. So if Penny looks good the rest of the season, it is very realistic that they say, Hey, like let's put our resources into other areas and just resign Penny on a, you know, two-year deal or, or something, you know, minimal amount of money. So I'm kind of with you on everything, but I think he's a really uh, interesting playoff like flex play just because the use the usage is going to be there. Yeah, he also ran the most routes of any running back last week uh, with Houston. So I, I found that to be interesting as well. And I think you said he got 16 carries. I also think he had one reception. So that's 17 touches on a 57% snap share. So if we can spread that out maybe over like a 75% snap share, you know, 70% snap share, something like that. You know, we're only three or four touches away from being a quote unquote workhorse, you know, sitting at 21, 22 touches a game. So 17 last week, potentially, you know, maybe the same or a little bit more. Again, it, it's a really weird spot to be in because he is the ceiling is so high when he's healthy and he's only 25. You know, I, th I think if he feels a lot older than he is and you're like, right. oh, he's been hurt, but. There's not a lot of tread on the tires, to be honest. I mean, even though he's been hurt, you know, his legs are relatively fresh as far as a career standpoint goes. Like, if he can stay healthy, there's there's an honest-to-God chance that between the ages of 25 and maybe, like, 28, he could put together two or three, like, you know, top 15 seasons, top 16 seasons. Again, it's very health-dependent. I just, You can't really bet on that because we know his history, but the talent, like I said, has always been there. Yeah, let me throw a, a hypothetical at you. Before we move on, I mentioned Penny's usage. What about, like, say you have a guy like James Robinson on your team who we've been frustrated with his usage last few weeks. He's tough to trust right now. He, he has a mm -hmm. good playoff matchup. I was going to mention him later. But, uh, you know, like, say you have a, a flex spot to decide between those two. Are you going with Penny's upside and his usage? And with, you know, being probably pretty concerned about Robinson's usage or are you sticking with Robinson for this week? I'm sticking with Robinson because I need to see it one more time from Penny to be fully in. Like, you know, like I've said three or four times now I'm in on the talent. I just need to see what, you know, what, when Pete Carroll talks, you can't necessarily believe him all the time. So I need to see what Penny looks like against a better defense this week in the Rams. And I need to see what, you know, that usage translates to from what Pete Carroll is talking about. 
And then, you know, in the semifinals and the the finals, like you said, Chicago and Detroit. I mean, Rashad Penny could le- legitimately be a league winner this year. So for this week in round one, I think I'm sticking with J-Rob. I am too. It's it's tough with Penny going against the Rams this week. It's definitely kind of a, a matchup you want to see him produce. And then on the flip side, James Robinson gets the Texans, whom Penny just ran all over. So Exactly. So. Um. Let's talk Gabe Davis. He's a guy, he hasn't been like amazing or anything, but he has scored a touchdown in each of the last two games. Um, I know Emmanuel Sanders left with an injury this past week. I'm not sure if we got any clarity on on his status, but it it sounded like he's definitely going to be questionable going forward. So is Gabe Davis a guy that you would trust in your lineup? and, And what do you think of him? Yeah, I probably would. I think I'm. I think I'm coming around a little bit more than I was last year. Going into the season, I was totally out on him. I, I don't know where he's ranked right now. Feels like he catches two balls a game, and one of them's always a touchdown. Right. It's just kind of his role. He's just this red zone guy. But em- Emmanuel Sanders might miss this week, which makes Gabe Davis a little interesting. And then as we look ahead into next year, Gabe Davis has a chance to be the wide receiver two on the team with Sanders and Beasley being free agents now. Obviously, if they bring one of those two guys back, he's going to slide back down because you know, those guys are there for a certain role. But Gabe Davis d- does have an opportunity here down the stretch. You know, It's the league's pass-heaviest team. Josh Allen uh, has a sprained foot, which could limit his running, meaning he might have to sit in the pocket a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly coming around on Gabe Davis, but it's one of those things, you know, in April, if, if they draft a guy, uh in, in day one or day two then and then i'm completely out on gabe davis because he's just feeling like a better spot and i not spot start but just you know role nfl player than he is fantasy asset yeah i'd agree i i probably wouldn't be playing him in the playoffs unless you just absolutely have to i mean he is like you said, he only gets a few targets a game. If Sanders misses, that's going to go up. And he does get a pretty good uh, – I mean, his his A dot is nearly 10 yards, 16th in the league. So he does get some quality targets downfield, but he's just a, uh, kind of a boom-bust option that I think is best uh, unless you need, you know, a, a high-ceiling play. I think I'm probably still out on him, and I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see if the Bills add a wide receiver this offseason because it seemed like a lot of us thought Gabe Davis might slide into that number three role, and then they brought in Sanders. And and now with those two being free agents, it'll be interesting to see if they do trust Gabe to be the number two. But I'm still not really buying in, and I don't really trust him in the playoffs, but he's an option if you just need somebody to plug in, especially with Sanders out. He he could definitely be a fill-in. Um, I want to talk about the Chargers receivers because they both did a little damage um, this past week. We've got Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. And, you know, going into this week, obviously Keenan Allen missed missed the game. He, he was put on COVID, the COVID list, and that opened up an opportunity for Guyton and Palmer. I didn't really see... Guyton's role changing just because he he's pretty much a deep threat I did think Palmer was the one who would kind of slide in there and and that kind of was what happened I mean Palmer played more snaps he played in in uh two wide receiver sets and then he slid into the slot like Keenan does in three wide and then 
Guyton came onto the field, but, um, you know, they both were productive. I mean, Guyton had three receptions for 87 yards and a touchdown. Palmer had five receptions, 66 yards and a touchdown. I anticipate Keenan Allen probably coming back this week, but it's not a sure thing. Um, does that make a difference? Obviously it, it does if you're trusting these guys or not, but I guess just what are you, what are your thoughts and feelings on, on these guys next week? Well, for some reason you have to start one. I definitely prefer Palmer over Guyton. Guyton's just a field stretcher. I remember the hype coming into, was it last year or was it this year? It was this year. I think he's a. Of Guyton. And it's just, it's just not, I never trusted it. I never bought into it. It just hasn't happened. So if you got to start one, it's definitely Palmer. But if you don't have to, then I wouldn't. I also will say, though, that if for some reason Mike Williams doesn't re-sign, then Josh Palmer becomes very, very intriguing. Yeah, I definitely I, – I got rid of Guyton in my leagues that I owned him. I just – like you said, he's, he's just a field stretcher and just kind of a – definitely a boom bust deep option which is not a you know bad offense to have that role but he's never going to be a trusted fantasy asset but i think palmer has played pretty well um seven targets last week and like i said he really kind of slid into that keenan allen role yeah i mean i'm with you if mike williams exits i think josh palmer i think he's a guy you you know if your trade deadline hasn't passed if he's still out there I wouldn't trust him in the playoffs, but he's a guy I would definitely be interested in in buying going forward in Dynasty. Uh, Rashad Bateman, he is interesting because, you know, he he came in after his injury, looked really good, and, you know, people were really hyping him up. And then he started to take a backseat, not only to Sammy Watkins, but Devin Duvernay was getting, you know, more snaps and, and targets than... And Bateman, um, Bateman had a productive game this last weekend going over 100 yards, and he just came came up like a yard short of a touchdown, so he could have had even a bigger day, but Sammy Watkins left that game. So, I mean, how do we feel about Bateman going, you know, into the playoffs, into year two? I don't know. He's, he's kind of a, a tough guy to figure out now. Like, why are the Ravens not using him more? He seems like he's been effective when he's on the field. Do you happen to have his targets in front of you? Uh, I do. He had eight targets last week. It's odd for the season. Oh, I do not. Um, I can pull it up real quick. Oh, I do. Yeah, 47. Okay, so for me personally, I like to see players, rookies, wide receivers, get at least 50 targets a rookie year. That means they were involved pretty relatively decent amount. Now, if they get more than that, that's great. But moving forward, I don't know if he's necessarily a buy. The you know, I think I think it's another cost dependent thing. Like, what are you buying him for? Like, if somebody said, "Hey, do you want Rashad Bateman?" What what are you willing to give up? Uh, second. Yeah, I think I me give too. Up I, for him. I I don't know if I would give up a first for him right now. A lot of it has to do with, you know, I mean, Marquise Brown has still looked relatively good. Mark Andrews is clearly the first option there. Rashad Bateman, what, he was like invisible the last three weeks. He just couldn't see the field, and then all of a sudden he has a blow-up game, but wouldn't that wouldn't he only saw the field because of an injury or something like that? Yeah, his usage only went up because Sammy Watkins left the game. It's just a really weird situation. So I don't know if I'm selling – 
in Dynasty. I'm holding. I don't know if I'm buying unless you know all you have to do is give up a second, a mid-second maybe. And then for yeah. the playoffs, man, I like I just don't know if you can trust them. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I would agree. And he's he's got Green Bay next week, then Cincinnati, then the Rams. So it's not, you know, a special schedule or anything. And I think, I mean, Lamar Jackson might even be out. You know, he's got the ankle injury. Uh, and really, early on in the year, Lamar Jackson was looking like a strong MVP candidate, not only because of his rushing, but he was throwing the ball downfield a lot and doing it very well. And that's kind of fallen off the past few weeks as well. So I don't know if you can really trust this offense in general, especially Gabe Davis with his usage. But I think I think I'd take a shot on him for a second just because long term, like, you know, when he's been out there, he's looked pretty good. And I think he's shown some flashes, but you just can't trust the usage right now. Uh, your guy, Nico Collins, what was it, 10 targets last week? Uh, it was finally. Fun. Yeah, it was fun to see him finally get that usage. Um, I've been looking at him in DFS a little bit and just waiting for a game like that. So that was really good to see. Um, I don't know you know, if we can expect the offense to look as good going forward. I mean, that was against Seattle. Defense hasn't been very good. What do you think of Collins down the stretch? And then, I mean, I, get, I definitely like him as a dynasty buy going forward. For sure. but. They get Jacksonville this week. I'm, I'm definitely playing him True. in a couple leagues and my wide receiver three spot uh, just because injuries, it's what's left. And I actually don't mind the matchup at all, especially if he sees those same targets again. Should be a pretty back and forth game, assuming Jacksonville's offense can pick it up. Davis Mills, I think he started the game against the Seahawks like 16 for 16 or something like that. He hasn't looked bad at all. And he really only threw to three guys. It was Brandon Cooks on a like design screens or uh, sweeps or stuff like that. Slants. Nico Collins was the middle of the field downfield guy. And then Brevin Jordan was really the only three guys he targeted. So if Nico Collins can get another 10 targets, then that'll be fantastic. Uh, he's sitting at 40 targets for the season right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, Yeah. I'm I'm all over Nico. He gives me very Michael Pittman vibes mm-hmm. in the sense of just kind of a quiet rookie year. The talents there grades out really, really well on Matt Harmon's reception perception. Uh, it's going to have similar production. And then just kind of year two, there's going to be a new quarterback down there. Potentially Davis Mills could start uh, in 2022. Uh, Brandon Cooks is more than likely gone, which will kind of open the door up a whole lot more. And the gap between Nico and the wide receiver three is enormous as far as snaps go and routes run. Like there is a huge gap between Nico and the next guy. So if Cooks is gone, Nico's the clear number one there. He could absolutely feast. And being in that division, and even if Mills starts next year, with him basically being the only target, I'm, I'm all over that. So I was just going to say, I don't know if there's a better value at the wide receiver position in Dynasty that could be their team's wide receiver one next year. Um, we talked about Collins versus People jo- Peoples-Jones a couple weeks ago, and we'll, we'll touch on Peoples-Jones next, but I think just in the offense and and what Collins has done, I might be switching up and, and preferring Collins a little bit. I think they've both got talent, but... I mean, Collins, he's been so efficient, too. Do you know what his true catch rate is? 
true catch rate uh, for people. I would who don't assume know over eighty percent. It's one hundred percent. Meaning, meaning he's this caught guy, every. This guy has glue target. for hands. Yeah, he's caught every catchable target. So he had a really sweet catch uh, against Seattle where he jumped up in triple coverage, out jumped three guys. He's uh yeah he's. He's a guy I definitely want my hands on in Dynasty. I don't know. There's a, there's no other receiver out there that you look at and say he could be his team's number one receiver next year. That's like cheaper than Collins. There's nobody. There's so many parallels though, because if you remember like Pittman coming in this year, it's like oh he had a really okayish rookie year. We wanted to see more, and his Dynasty ADP was like what was it like wide receiver fifty four or something like that. I think and it was like, forty five, but yeah, it yeah. Was and I'm like, low. guys, like you got to get him. This guy's good. Like I understand the rookie year wasn't there. You know, I missed a handful of games as as well as Nico did. Otherwise, he'd probably be closer to sixty targets right now. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, but there's you know that just because there's no one else to throw the ball to doesn't make him good. Yada, yada, this and this and this. I'm like, this, there's just a lot of parallels that, that are going to go hand in hand. So yeah. I, I'm definitely excited for Nico's future is as, as long as the organization can just function, you know, they're going to get a lot of picks back for Watson. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about his outlook. I'm, Seriously considering making him one of my stamps of approval, one of my two stamps of approval for next summer, but I need to see how the next four games play out before I can do yeah, that. I, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of parallels. He does remind me a bit of Pittman, and but I think he's even less hyped than Pittman just because of the college resume. Like we know Collins wasn't as all that productive in uh, college. It's just something about those Michigan guys. It's just... They don't put up big numbers, but I feel like it'll Pittman, probably be the same thing. He'll probably be way down there in ADP, you know, around the fifties again, like Pittman was. And then I'll be like, guys, like Davis Mills wasn't bad the last six games of the year. He's yeah, the only guy on the team. They traded three picks to move up to get him. <laughs> so he was his original ADP, according to DLF, in February of twenty one, was two hundred and thirty. Let's see. When was the draft? In May? April. He climbed up into the 160s. And then the most recent month we have is is November. What do you think it's at as of November? Dynasty startup ADP. I would guess the 70s. 150. That's that's overall, to be clear. That's that's asinine. Positional is 65. Oh, okay. That was overall. Still. Yeah. Positional is a little better breakdown. So that's, 65, I, but I don't understand. Like you have a guy that's like, honestly, I don't, he's built similarly to chase Claypool, but he's not quite as athletic, but he's more athletic than Pittman. So he's like a, a cross between them. Yeah. And he is going to be the X, the n- true number one. 10 targets a game kind of guy on, a, on an offense that's going to be throwing a lot because they're not very good. And even if it's from Davis Mills, I don't care because Davis Mills has shown that he's actually not bad. Right. And you're, I just, you know, I, I mean, I, I traded Khalil Herbert for him straight up in one league. I love that. And I, I thought, I thought that was, that was theft. Like I was shocked that the guy accepted it. That's a, so, like, that's a, I don't know what the word is. A sly move, I guess. Savvy. Because, savvy. Cause Herbert was like way too hyped up and that's, I mean, Khalil Herbert's good, but it's clear that 
Yeah, but it's clear his only role is exists when David Montgomery's down on the field. For sure. And for the listeners, Matt's uh, wide receiver grading and tools have have uh, been pretty good thus far. Pretty good track record so far. So um, next up, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, he had another big game this past week, or, you know, relatively. Five for 90, didn't find the end zone, but uh, seven targets his highest target total this season. And he's had, he, he's had three games, sorry, four games of 70 plus yards in the other games, 10, 16, 39, 14, and four. So definitely your boom bust type of guy. And that's, I think that's generally because just the offense, it's a run first offense. You can't trust Baker. Uh, so, I, I mean, I imagine you're not trusting him in the playoffs. He's got Vegas, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. No. Oof. Yeah. And I feel like he has the skill set to be this team's number one long term. But A, what does that really mean in this offense? And two, like they're going to have to probably add to this room. Like it's just a room that's lacking after Odo Beckham left. So I want nothing to do with Peoples Jones as long as Baker Mayfield is the quarterback. I think there's a decent chance they get off of Baker this year and, and find somebody else. But I do too. If for, if for some reason this summer they switch up, they switch quarterbacks, I will then definitely consider sending out offers for people's Jones. Yeah. I think he's an interesting prospect, but because it's not so much as the players, it is the situation and who's throwing right. the ball. Like people's Jones is, is a very good football player. I don't know if he profiles as like a true one. I think he'd be a good two. Yeah. Like a top, top 36 guy like a good wide receiver three or four on your team agreed but again no interest as long as baker's qb he's another guy who's been efficient he gets and that that was a great matchup against baltimore they've given up a ton of points to wide receivers on the perimeter but yeah especially this season yeah this season uh people's jones is number two in yards per reception with 18.7 number two in yards per target with 12.3 uh, that ju- that just tells you his route tree is so limited. He's it's it, their posts yeah. and goes. I mean, just, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, you hope for a better situation next year. He's talented, but as of now, his outlook is man. You you definitely can't trust him in the playoffs with that schedule. Yep. Um, Donta Foreman. He's you know a, a guy who we didn't know if we'd see him again in the NFL after after tearing his Achilles, uh, you know, preview of, of Cam Akers situation. Donta Foreman has come back and, and been good, maybe not as explosive, but his last two games, uh, 19 for 109, one reception, and then last week, 13 for 47 and a touchdown with two receptions. He's got Pittsburgh next week, then San Francisco, then Miami. Um, maybe just a desperation play, but he's probably the guy you want of this backfield if you have to play anybody, right? I think so. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I don't mind playing him in the flex spot. I mean, with all these guys going on COVID right now, you might not, you might not really have a chance at this or an, another option at this point. Yeah. He's that running back room has just been so confusing ever since uh, Derek Henry went down, but I think Foreman's established himself as, as the guy you want there. But I, the work, I mean, the workload's there. 
for sure. So again, I, I don't know if, if you're starting him in your RB1 or RB2 slots, but it could be a pretty decent flex play. I can't imagine that with Pittsburgh. Well, I'm, I don't know. Pittsburgh is getting three defensive linemen back this week. Yeah, that's not a great matchup. The, the other thing is he's Foreman is not they're getting the receiving work. I think he's, you know, he'll have. Yeah, I think he's a, a goal linebacker. I, th- I think you're hoping for a touchdown, honestly. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. He's fairly efficient on the ground. He's been all right, but you probably need a touchdown because they're using more of uh, Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols as pass catchers. So, um, how about KJ Osborne? He's a guy. I don't know what Thielen's status is, but if Thielen misses, I would imagine Thielen misses another one. The tough thing is, I believe they play on Monday night, so you're not really going to know ahead of time. But Thielen, I believe, you know, it was a high ankle sprain, right? Those are usually you know, tough to come back from. It's tough to see him coming back within two weeks, assuming KJ Osborne is, you know, the number two guy there. Are you interested in playing him? Yeah, I actually am playing him in a league this week. And I think the biggest thing for me to take away is not so much as KJ Osborne is that the Vikings wide receivers, just the scheme in general, they support two guys pretty heavily. Kirk whoever Cousins, my guy, I've been, I've been whoever their one and their two are Jefferson Thielen since Thielen's been out. It's been Jefferson and Osborne. I mean, the last two games, Osborne has gone seven for 47 in a touchdown, nine for 83 in a touchdown. So there's a lot of volume between those two Target, guys, not reception. Yeah, tar- targets. Yeah. yeah. So 15 combined or 16 combined targets for 150 ish yards and two touchdowns our last two games. That's the only thing that worries me. He hasn't had a high reception total really and you know three on nine four on seven not bad but i'm definitely still interested in playing him i think he's actually a good yeah. player who can win downfield and and get open and like you said i trust that offense so as far um, as dynasty goes i actually might send out some offers here at the end of the year for him because i can't imagine Thielen's much going to be in much much longer in minnesota right and, and he's, so he gets in if I can a get, lot. yeah if i can get him for a fourth couple fours, maybe a bench player. I probably would. And if for some reason they, they draft somebody else, you know, oh, well, you didn't spend that much to get him. But I would definitely explore trying to, to see what you can get him for because he's only 24. And he's proven that he's, he's a pretty good receiver, to be honest. Yeah, I wrote a profile on him for a different uh, platform and early in the season. And I really liked, you know, what I was seeing from him early on. And and people spoke really highly of him. And, you know, you get that with, with some of these young players. You get coaches and stuff. But there was an article that was written out of the, I think it's the Tribune in Minnesota. And it was just their interviews from his past coaches, current coaches, teammates. And everybody just loved the dude. And he hard worker, you know, don't count him out. I'm not surprised to see him doing this. So definitely a guy that's... Uh, you know, those are the type of guys you kind of want to bet on. So hopefully Smith Marset gets more involved next year. Yeah, hopefully it'd be nice to see Osborne and Smith Marset getting, but it Kirk Cousins future there is in doubt as well. So that'll be yep. a, a wrench too. So it's something to consider. Um, last for this list, Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds have kind of been carrying the load in terms of the Detroit wide receivers. 
Uh, maybe a slight bump with Hawkinson out last week, but Amon Ra has put up 24.8 points and 15.3 PPR points the last two weeks. He's kind of been emerging after kind of a slow start. Josh Reynolds came in, you know, bouncing around practice squads and stuff. He's come in and seemed, you know, five targets, seven targets, five targets, uh, no fewer than 52 yards in any of those games. He hasn't put up huge numbers, but he's definitely been a focal point. Are you playing either of these guys? The playoff schedule is Arizona. It's tough, but then 16 and 17, you got at Atlanta and at Seattle. So those matchups are are pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I think he's I think you're in the perfect situation where you can sit him against Arizona and see if this continues for three weeks. And, you know, three weeks, we'd like to say that there's probably something there uh, because that's a good, you know, framework or time frame for consistency and, you know, something that is is potentially real. And then, yeah, if, if he produces against Arizona, not necessarily even produces. If he sees double-digit targets again then for Atlanta and Seattle, I'm definitely, definitely playing him. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good for dynasty For Dynasty, though, I'm selling. I'm selling in a heartbeat. They're going to bring – they have almost – you can't rely on him long-term. I don't know how much Jared Goff is going to last. They're going to bring in all kinds of receivers. I mean, they, they have no one. Yeah, I, I never they have, loved him. They have – they have TJ Hawkinson, they have DeAndre Swift, and they have uh, Jamal Williams. That's it. That's I mean, that's their offensive firepower right now. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't really love Amon Ra as a prospect in the first place, so he's a guy I'm, I would definitely sell if you can get some good yes. value. Yep. All right, let's move on, talk about some playoff matchups we like, um, you know, maybe fringe starters that have good matchups. We kind of referenced it there, but I'd like to go through position by position. Um, another thing I'll reference is, uh, I think one thing that guys don't consider, I get a lot of sit start questions. And a lot of times I say, like, I would go with this player, like if you need the upside, but if you want to like play it a little safer, go with this guy. I think that's something that, you know, managers tend to forget that it depends on, you know, if you're projected to lose and you think you don't have a great shot, play somebody with some upside, try to get a big game, especially, you know, you might have a situation where you got you're deciding between two guys in the late window. You can see how the early window plays out. If you're down a lot, go with the higher upside guy. If you're up by a decent bit, play the safer guy. You can swap those guys out until kickoff. Um, and then, you know, I want to reference on our website, ffballday.com. We have a post from Dynasty Doc. I mentioned it back on November 8th. Uh, he wrote about the fantasy playoffs and, and guys to go target, which is still very relevant. I mean, looking at this list, these are the guys you want that have good matchups. So let's start at quarterback. Uh, who are the matchups you like for the next few weeks, Matt? Well, I'll give you two. Uh, I'm going, obviously, with my guy Jalen to start with. I think the – I know – so he, here's what I think. And I just I just really quick want, want to say this because it's been on my mind and I, I have yet to say it to anybody. So I just – I want to put it all out there for you guys. Gardner Minshew played very well against the Jets. Okay. Uh, he threw a lot of his passes. If you go back and you watch the tape, a lot of his balls were underthrown really, really badly, though. Dallas Goddard on that deep touchdown had to slow down and come back to it. On his second touchdown, he had to stop and turn around and reach down close to his ankles and then turn around and get and get into the end zone. So even though Minshew played really well, his arm talent is lacking and it's not nearly as good as Jalen's. 
Now, Minshew's weakness, or excuse me, Minshew's strengths are Jalen's weaknesses. So Jalen, over the past two weeks, being able to watch someone succeed in your offense, performing your weaknesses well, is an extremely valuable thing for him. I think this is going to help him tremendously moving forward and identifying what's some of the simple stuff that I can do, you know, taking what's given to me instead of forcing the ball down the field. I even think he, he said that uh, in a press conference last week before the Jets game or something like that, is that he just needs to check the ball down, just needs to take some of the simpler stuff instead of constantly looking for the big play. And that's exactly what Minshew does. Minshew does is he just takes what's given to him. And he make he lets guys create. I mean, there was one play there. Uh, I think the, like two of the first plays of the game were like screens to Goddard, and Minshew was like two for two for sixty yards right out the gate, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah," but he threw the ball like a total of four air yards. But you know, he's letting his guys just work, and I think that's what Jalen needs to do. So I think that tape's going to be extremely important and extremely useful for him. And the next three weeks, he has Washington twice and the Giants. I don't know if it gets any better than that. Washington, I believe, is a bottom four pass defense. Uh, he gets the Giants again, who he did uh, throw three interceptions against, but he ran the ball extremely well against them. Uh, I think he's learned a lot from that, and we'll obviously find out. Uh, but this week, round one, he gets Washington. That's a that's a smash spot start for me. Yeah, I like it. I'm totally on board. I'm definitely starting him where I have him. Um, do you have a second or do you want me to go through the list? Yeah. The second guy I'll say is Dak Prescott. I know he's been a little yep. up and down lately, but he gets the giants, Washington, and then Arizona and probably a must win game for them at that point. Arizona's already down to the three seed. So I think it's going to be a highly competitive game. So I, I I'm not entirely sure that they're going to be able just to run the ball. I think their defense, I think they're going to be a, a few shootouts here down, down the stretch. So I, I like Dak. Yeah, I do too. Agree with those. The other guys mentioned in the article um, from Dynasty Doc, he's got Joe Burrow on here, Denver this week, but then Baltimore and KC. He's got Trevor Lawrence, who's a guy that you know hasn't really put up numbers, but he's got Houston, the Jets, and then New England. Uh, so Houston and the Jets, uh, pretty juicy matchups there. I'm going to give two guys that aren't on this list. One is... Aaron Rodgers. Now he's, you know, he's kind of an obvious star. Like if you have him, you're playing him, but we just talked about Baltimore giving up tons of points on the perimeters. Devonte Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers are going to cook. Then he gets Cleveland. Okay. But then Minnesota in week 17. So weeks 15 and 17 Rodgers has beautiful matchups. Uh, the other guy I want to mention that might be kind of a fringe starter for you is Tua. You know, he's, he's coming off a bye. He's actually averaging almost 20 points per game. He's been better than I think he's gotten credit for this year in terms of fantasy. Coming out of the late bye, that's such a you know benefit to come out of the bye. And then he gets the New York Jets, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tennessee Titans. Again, weeks 15 and 17 especially, um, really good matchups for Tua. So he's a guy, if, if he's a fringe starter and you're deciding between him and another fringe starter, I, I like Tua a little bit. Um, let's go on to the running back position, Matt. Um, I know there's one that we probably both like in terms of the matchup, but he's been tough to trust. I referenced him earlier. That's James Robinson. He's got Houston, the Jets, and New England. I mean, Houston and New York Jets, if there's ever a time for Urban to 
utilize him as he should and get back on track. It's these next two weeks. I mean, last week Urban said we got to play him more, and then this, like it was this morning in a press conference, he said that they're still going to continue to rely on him in the run game, and he recognizes he's one of their best offensive players. But again, it's like you can say that all you want, but you're not doing it on the field. And it's kind of disappointing because I remember when they played Cincinnati on Thursday night, uh, that was the night that Shark went out with his ankle injury. It kind of felt like that they were starting to figure it out, you know, right. using James Robinson, fit, you know, 20 touches a game. I think he had two touchdowns that game. Trevor Lawrence scrambled in for a touchdown. Like you just kind of start felt like the Jags was kind of starting to figure it out. It's been total shit show since then. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm playing James Robinson the next two weeks, regardless really of what happens kind of one, because I have to, and two, because the matchup is just too good. If he goes out there. So it's just one of those things. I mean, if he goes out there for another six carries this week, I don't, I honestly don't know how you sit him against the jets again. Yeah, but I don't. And, I mean, and I will say this: if if Jacksonville, there are rumors out there that if Jacksonville loses this weekend, Urban Meyer gets fired. If Urban Meyer gets fired after this game, I don't know if I'm ranking a run, any running back higher than James Robinson for the semifinals for that week. I agree because whoever the interim head coach is, they're going to come in and they are just going to run James Robinson down the Jets' throat. So. Any time this season that J-Rob has gotten 15 or more carries, he's posted at least he's posted 12.5 fantasy points one time, and then the other games over 15 touches or 15 carries, 25.4 points, 20.6 points, 21.7, and 19.1. When he's gotten the usage, man, he delivers. It's so frustrating to see the way it's playing out, but. I honestly don't care who's head coach next year. I hope he asks for a trade. Because since yeah. he was an undrafted free agent, he only gets three years. So this will, this will be a contract year for him next fall. So I'm hoping this offseason come, somebody comes. I, honestly, I, don't, I, I wouldn't be shocked if a team said, hey, we'll give you a second for him. Like, he's that good. Right. And he could smash so, in, like, I mean, I know like Buffalo doesn't use their running backs a ton, but dude, like dude, send send them to Seattle. Oh, like I know I love Seattle. I know I know I love Rashad Penny, but I mean James Robinson fits that Marshawn Lynch mold, just that ground and pound. I mean, he would get all the goal line carries there. He he'd honestly probably put up, you know, 24 touches a game, 100 plus yards and two t- and a touchdown every single game in Seattle. I mean, cuz that's just what P. Carroll wants to do too. So Yep. I still love his long-term I'm definitely not selling him or, or no, I mean, no, buy, buy, yeah, buy, buy the dip buy. right now. People are yeah, like, Oh my dip. gosh. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be pretty shocked if urban Meyer is back next year anyways, but even if, you know, worst case you got one more year and then he'll definitely be out of there. So even uh, if he's not back, like Travis Etienne doesn't, doesn't scare me either. Right. I'm not worried about him taking any of James Robinson's workload. If a new coach comes in, they might honestly consider trading ETN and, and extending J Rob. So, right. Um, do you have any other guys you want to mention, or do you want me to go through this list? Oh, you can go through it. Uh, what I, I, I know Austin Eckler's on the list. Do we know his injury status? Is Did he come back into that game? He, I don't believe he returned to that game right now. He's questionable, and they play on Thursday night which is not ideal. So that quick turnaround, um, but he was limited 
today on Tuesday, Tuesday's walkthrough, he was limited. Uh, you playing Kelly or Browntree, anybody, if he's out? I don't think so, just because they've been rotating those guys, and you don't. if one of them had the role, yes. But I just don't know. I mean, if you're playing anybody, I, I mm, no, I don't think so. Because yeah, I, Justin I Jackson is kind of the one that's utilized the most, but he they don't really use him around the goal line. It's been Roundtree or Kelly around the yeah. goal line. I just – no, I don't think you can – and and Kansas City's defense been a lot better lately, so yeah, that's true. Not. Yeah, um, Cordero Patterson, no surprise, he's been great this year. But he's got he's got San Francisco in Week 15, Detroit in 16, and then Buffalo in 17, which is tough. But uh, you know, if if you if you have him, you know, this far, it'd be, you're playing him, right? I mean, you're making a weird face. I don't know if you're out on him or what but you gotta no, play him right yeah uh eli mitchell elijah mitchell he's another guy who's you know he was out with an injury he's what was concussion right and but he's got atlanta tennessee houston that's a pretty beautiful playoff slate there he's he might have the best uh playoff schedule of anybody anybody else no one that comes to mind. What's uh Antonio? Oh, I mean, Javante Williams has a really good playoff schedule. Oh but yeah, again, yeah. it's it's in a fifty-fifty split. So I mean, I I've been talking about this his schedule since you know before the season started, and I would even go as far like Melvin Gordon is a guy you can. I think both of those guys could could eat the next few weeks yep. uh gibson is his schedule is not bad he's got philly twice in dallas and then if you play week 18 he's got the giants so that's a that's a pretty solid schedule let me see here yeah i think that's it that's really it yeah yeah um wide receivers I think one that stands out to me, if if he can make his way back, I mean, he's on IR for at least another week, but after that he would get San Francisco and Miami. That's A.J. Brown. Uh, yeah, I think he's a plug-and-play if you get him back, but that passing offense has been a wreck without him. Yeah. But I don't know if he's going to come back. So, Right. Uh, Deontay like, Johnson, really yep. good schedule. Tennessee, KC, and Cleveland. That's and I thought Big Ben. I mean, I, I'm not ready to say he's a, a good quarterback, but he. I thought he looked better last week. Uh, at least, I mean, Deontay's on here. Claypool's got to be on here. Claypool's yeah. still seeing, I think, nine targets a game the last few weeks. I know he's immature, but Mike Tomlin had a quote today that suggests that him and Claypool had, you know, come to Jesus meeting. So, I, you know, I'm not in a league that penalizes you for first down celebrations. So unless you are, then you, he's probably a pretty good play. <laughs> There's a lot of funny clips and, and memes around the, the Twitter. I mean, verse. I get that he's, I get that he's immature, you know, it's 23 year old world's biggest stage games full of intense emotions to change in six seconds. I mean, 
But I, to some of the stuff that he does, you just simply can't do. But that doesn't take away from his on-field talent. I mean, that there there is even though that he probably cost them five seconds or at least another attempt to throw it into the end zone there on that uh, final play of the game. I mean, wh- what about the the previous three plays? He was the reason that they were even in that position to begin with. Right. I mean, he makes that ridiculous like 50 yard catch down the sideline, like falling down backwards. You know, I, I honestly thought that ball was incomplete. And then he got up and did some little hand gesture or whatever. And I literally sat up in my seat. I was like, did he catch that? And they showed the replay. You remember that on that final drive? Yeah. And then he caught, and then, you know, the fourth down to, to convert the drive. I mean, so they're not even in that position without him. So I understand he does some stupid stuff, but still, he's a phenomenal athlete. I'm buying a dynasty because I honestly can't believe that there are people selling because he makes first down celebrations when he's not supposed to. That's just wild to me, but it is yeah, what it he's is. A, he's a great dynasty, but I mean, he has been a great dynasty by all year. He, he remains. Yeah. yeah. Pittman also has a pretty good schedule. Uh, this week is a little tough against New England, but he's actually been really good against any corner. He was good against Tredavious White, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Xavier uh, Woods. That's his name, right? Howard. Uh, Howard in Miami. Yes, Howard. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting him because I have to. I'm not super excited, but next week, or week 16, he's got Arizona, and the week 17, he has the no good, awful, terrible Vegas Raiders. Which you know, if you make it to the championship game, that's you know, that's a hundred yards and a touchdown looking like right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's and, a few other. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, it's. I think it's also important to note, like, what are the state of the NFL teams themselves? Like, the Colts are are sitting currently in the seventh seed. Like, they are going to be in every game. They're going to fight in every game. They're going to do what it takes to win. Yeah. So those are the kind of players that are, are fun to target right now. Like, you know, teams like the Jags, like J-Rob, like even though his schedule is really good, I mean, if he gets hurt, there's a chance they shut him down, like just because they're not in contention. Yeah. But you got, you know, guys on teams like the Colts and who else, like Denver that are still fighting for playoff spots. Pittsburgh is still fighting for playoff spots. Like, you know, guys are going to play through injuries. They're, they're going to do everything they can to win. So that's why I think Michael Pittman, even though the schedule is – I'd say middle of the road is still worth worth playing. A couple other really strong schedules that aren't in the the article. I, I think the Bears have really good they get the Vikings, Seahawks, and Giants. Really good pass defenses to attack. Now you can't really trust Allen Robinson. Um Darnell Mooney hasn't been as good the last few weeks, but we know he he's posted some big numbers and those are juicy matchups if you if you need kind of a plug in. The other one, um, Terry McLaurin, I know he left. What Did he get a concussion, or what was his injury? I don't know, but I feel like I saw that he'll be fine for this week. Yeah, I mean, he's listed as questionable, but he's yeah, he's in the concussion protocol. So, I mean, they play Sunday. He's got some time to get through that. And then they get uh, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Eagles. They they just played the Cowboys. So they're their last they're 14, 15, 16, and 17. They're playing Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, which is funny. But Eagles and Cowboys, uh, both pass defenses. You can attack. The, the Cowboys defense has been better, but they still give up big plays, um, as do the Eagles. So I like McLaurin a little bit um these last few weeks as well. Lastly, tight end. I mean, 
there's only so much you can do with this, this position. There's guys that you're either starting or you're not pretty much. Uh, but there's some guys who have, you know, better matchups than others. I know we mentioned Hertz and, and the Eagles, like Goddard's outlook is one. Uh, he's he's in the article. You got talked about. Yeah, we talked about Tua. Mike Kosicki's got a smash spot this week, round one. He's got the Jets. Yeah, I'm playing him everywhere I have him. So uh, everywhere you're playing Tua, I think you're playing Kosicki. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good point. But but like you said, it's just you know with the tight end outside of you know you kind of got to fall into a good playoff schedule because yeah. I mean you know if Kelsey's schedule sucked, like you're still playing Kelsey though. You know? Right. So yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. You, you're playing who you got. Exactly. There's yeah, there's not much there. I mean, Jared Cook has a good schedule, but like I'd still play like a, a better player over him if if you got him. Yep. Uh, Cole Komet, I mentioned the Bears. Uh, he's a decent like streaming option if you're if you have if you don't have a regular starter. Minnesota, Seattle, New York Giants, good schedule, and he's. He's come on a little bit late in the year, but uh, yeah, the state of the, the state of the tight end position is is not great. Uh, Brevin Jordan is a guy I would mention. He's, mm, I like I mean, that a young guy. He's scored two touchdowns the last three weeks. He's four or seven targets the last couple of weeks. He's got the Jags this week. Uh, you know, he's 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 an interesting player. Um, all right, that, that kind of does it for the, the playoff, uh, previews and, and strength of schedule. Lastly, we got some stuff in the discord and, and just general questions about like rebuilding strategies, players to target through the, for the future. I guess, what are you doing in leagues that you're rebuilding right now, Matt? I mean, most of the leagues I'm in have a trade deadline. Some don't, but I've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about guys like Claypool. That's a goodbye for next year. Sam and I talked a lot about Antonio Gibson and, and the patience that he requires. He's a great buy. Um, are there guys out there maybe still on the waiver wire that people can go grab, or if you don't have a trade deadline, you can go get and, and kind of, what are you, what are you trying to do right now? If you're in a rebuilding state, man, that's really dependent from league to league. Who's still on the waiver wire. I, I, I do know that, It's a weird. It's a weird spot. I'm. I will say. I'm personally not rebuilding in any of my three money leagues. So. Uh, I I've only re I've very rarely gone through a rebuild. I think yeah, this year's. I, I, I never one. have. I think this year's the first one I have, and I'm doing it in two leagues. I, I mean, not to pat myself on the back, but all my dynasty leagues, I've I've been a contender, and even in the leagues that I'm rebuilding. I go for kind of the mini rebuild where I trade for guys like I don't just acquire a ton of picks and sell everything and have nothing on my roster. I get those guys like Antonio Gibson and Chase Claypool and try to stack up for next year. That's my strategy. And I think that would thing, be mine too. The, the other thing is like we talk about selling to contenders. Try to package a third and a player that could maybe be a, a you know a depth player for a contender that just wants another body just in case package that player in a third move up to the second round things like that um i'm trying to do more of that than just you know acquire a bunch of random third and fourths those are good you get those but then you package them with 
a player that's, you know, likely going to be maybe irrelevant next year, but is, you know, a, a depth guy that can be played now. I mean, yeah, you know, Cole Beasley or something, package a guy like that with a pick and move up in the draft. Those are the types of things I'm trying to do. Yeah, see, I, I think for me it was last year. I, I think the you could have been you could have said, you know, trade your third round pick for Michael Pittman. Wow, look what happened. Mm-hmm. I think this year trade your third round pick for Nico Collins. Like there are certain guys that if you can identify now that you can go out and trade for. If somebody's selling Claypool or, or Gibson or J Rob or something like that, I think go out and get those guys. I, I personally prefer what something that's proven versus an unknown. Yeah. Because if you were in a rebuild, right? And you didn't trade picks for, you know, Michael Pittman last year or J Rob after they drafted ETN last year or some or, or players like that of that caliber. Instead, you drafted guys like, you know, Rashad Bateman and Trey Sermon. And you're like, oh, I'm going to compete this year. Well, look how that panned out. And I'm not exactly. saying that they're bad players or that they won't ever be relevant, but it's again, it's the unknown versus the known. And if you can, instead of, you know, Honestly, instead of Sermon and Bateman, you could have had J-Rob and Pittman this year, and yep. you, you might have been a little bit better off. So I think for me, I would rather target guys that have that we know that are good football players that are in bad situations that are, are going to see a big rebound. I think Cortland Sutton's a great buy right now. I was uh, just going to say the Broncos receiver. Judy, too, because you have to look at situations that you expect to improve. If they yep. get Rodgers or Russ, those prices of those guys are going to skyrocket. I was talking with somebody on Twitter yesterday or two days ago, you know, the comparisons between Claypool, who, whoever the new quarterback is in Denver and uh, Pittsburgh, I think are going to favor wide receivers more like Sutton and Claypool because they're big downfield 50, 50. I yeah. can just throw it. I can just throw it up there and trust you guys. I'm not entirely sure that a new quarterback, unless it's a veteran, or a rookie quarterback will get the nuances of Judy and Deontay's route running. So I'm not entirely sure that those guys will still be valued as highly. I think Deontay is a sell right now for me because I'm not sure he ever exceeds what he's doing right now, because I promise you no quarterback is going to come in there and target him as much as big Ben is. Yep. I've and, also and if, sold him in my, it, I, and if, if somebody, if the new quarterback does come in, I will eat my words. I just don't see it happening. I think it balances it out. I think Claypool and Sutton are the clear ones on their team moving forward. It's just those kind of alpha guys. And then I'm not saying Deontay and Judy are bad. They're still definitely going to get theirs. But, you know, Bridgewater and Big Ben, those are check down artists. And whoever the new quarterbacks are going to want to push the ball down the field more. I mean, you can't pay Sutton a new four-year, 70-plus million-dollar deal and not use him, right? Right. He's been like hardly utilized since he signed that deal. I think he had like one catch last week. And, and, and for those of you who are not, this is the move I would make everywhere. I did this move, I think four or five weeks ago. And I, or I think it was longer than that. I think it was around week five, but I, if you are not in the playoffs and you are not contending and you own Deontay Johnson, go trade Deontay Johnson to a contender that owns DJ Moore. flip him straight up. There you go. That's a good straight up. Because there's a really good chance Deshaun Watson is in Carolina next year. And I know for a fact that the NFL views DJ Moore is a top 10 wide receiver in the, in the, in the league. Yeah, he's DJ, really good. DJ Moore would be extremely expensive on the trade market in real life as far as NFL football goes. So 
I think the, the Panthers are the most desperate team out there in need of a quarterback. And whoever it is is going to be a lot better than the Sam Darnold, you know, split and snaps between Newton, PJ Walker kind of thing we got going on. So yeah. I think Watson ends up in Carolina. Watson and, and Hopkins was awesome to watch. Watson, Watson and DJ Moore is going to be super, super special. I believe he's only 24, if I'm not mistaken. So that is a move I would make 10 times out of 10 right now. Go swap Deontay for DJ Moore. Yeah, I like that. DJ Moore is a great target. He is so good, but the offense hasn't really allowed him to reach his ceiling. Another like the guys we talked about, like Josh Palmer, those are the guys you identify where, hey, if Mike Williams is gone, how much, you know, how much does his value increase? A ton. Even if well, you don't necessarily believe in him, you can turn around and trade him, you know, if he if you don't believe in the talent, you get him cheap now. Mike Williams leaves, you can trade him for more later. As soon as the season is over, guys, I'm going to get to work on my breakout model, my second-year wide receiver breakout model. And those are guys that I'm going to target like crazy. Uh, I, I was kind of playing with it last year, which is one of the reasons I fell in love with Pittman uh, because he did pop on that, even though he, you know, uh, other people didn't like him. But guys like, you know, Visca, uh, Gabriel Davis, Brian Edwards, uh, Henry Ruggs at the time, uh, amongst others, you know, those guys didn't, they didn't grade out very well on the model for, for looking for a breakout guy. So I'm excited to see what guys pop this year and what guys maybe that are a little overhyped right now, like yeah. Rashad Bateman. I wonder, I wonder if he's, if the model suggests he's a sell, but we'll have to wait and see. I think we're on the same page today. Cause I was just going to say, I'm, I'm really interested to see how he turns out in that, mm -hmm. that model. He's an interesting one. All right. Um, I guess obviously, outside, I was gonna yeah. say outside of your obvious receivers, like Jamar Chase is clearly good. You know, right. last year Justin Jefferson is clearly good. Like they're gonna grade out. I have everybody on the model. They're gonna grade out as buys, but we already know that they're buys. They're good. They're good players. But I, it the model is intended to use to identify guys that go under the radar, like your Pittmans, your Nico Collins, your right. Who else? Uh, Jalen Waddles probably might actually might be considered a sell. I, I don't know. I just, I just have to wait and see. So Elijah yeah. Moore is another guy that might be a buy right now because he's out for three weeks. He's on IR. So and he looked really good. He's, he's a guy I really liked as a prospect too. Uh, what are you doing with just quickly? You mentioned Jamar Chase. What, uh, I've been preaching patience with T Higgins because I knew he was going to eventually get home and start coming around. Cleared 100 yards in each of the last three games, a couple touchdowns. He's been really good. Are you a believer in that, or are you trying to get off of him if you have him? Believer in Higgins? Right. Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that that – I know Chase profiles as an alpha, but I think it's pretty clear that Burrow looks at Higgins a little bit more. Yeah. I, I still – I said now, this earlier on in the season. Chase gets the touchdowns. So I think we can assume, which is kind of unpredictable, we can assume I think it balances itself out moving forward. But I, I, there's really no wrong answer between the two guys on so which one to own. There's not. I mean, Chase is probably the preferred one, but I said this early in the season, and it's still true. They they utilize T. Higgins more as your prototypical X receiver. They use Jamar Chase more as downfield, deep threat, big chunk plays. And so yep. those big plays cap Higgins a little bit in terms of you know, the long, big receptions, but I mean, yep. he's still, he's still a guy I want to own. What about last one? 
San Francisco receivers, Debo Ayuk starting to come along after being buried in the doghouse. Debo's been getting a lot of work as a running back. He's just a really good weapon, but are you hanging on to both of those guys? I'm hanging on to Debo. Obviously, I'll sell if I get the right offer, uh, but I do think I am selling Ayuk. I'm just, I can't, I can't get behind it. It's too uncertain. He's the third target on the team behind Debo and George Kittle. He was in the doghouse, and then he wasn't, and then he was again, and then he wasn't. I just, it's very unpredictable. Uh, there is a chance Jimmy Garoppolo starts again next year. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Trey Lance is the starter in 2022. If for some reason Trey Lance is the starter in 2022, that makes me want to sell Ayuk even more because yeah. I saw how he threw the ball this year, and it ain't pretty. Yeah. He has the tools to be a superstar, but it's it's super raw. He's just not there yet, and they're going to run the ball a lot with him. I'm just not sure any the any volume is going to be there to sustain three guys. Yeah, I think we're kind of seeing Ayuk's. I, I don't know if I want to say ceiling because we saw more last year, but in this offense with a healthy Samuel Kittle, and then you know with Mitchell playing as well as he is, and then like you said, if Lance comes in, I feel like what we're seeing now is kind of Ayuk's ceiling as like a flex play, like wide yeah. receiver three. Let me put it this way: I like. Brandon Ayuk. I think he's a very good football player. I think he's a good fantasy player. But I am willing to sell now because his value is very good. And if for some reason he's able to sustain this, you know, I'll take my first round pick. I'll take my first round and second round picks. And I'll, I'll be okay. I'm not going to lose sleep overnight over trading him for that. Because there is a chance that he doesn't sustain what he's doing right now. And he does go back in a doghouse or they do turn into an even more run-heavy offense under Lance until he's fully developed, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily a miss if you're able to get good value for him back. I think I think it's a win-win. You you're out from an unknown, I guess. Yeah. And you have and you have picks. Does that does that make sense? What I'm trying to say, like, I'm it not. Does. I think it makes. I'm sense. not. Yeah. I'm not selling to sell, but if you can get a couple firsts or one and a two or or maybe flip him for another good player. Like I would flip him. Would you flip him for Waddle? I would. I think I would too. Would you? Would you flip him for Higgins? I would. Would you flip him for Pittman? I would. Yeah. So that's kind of. I feel like that. Yeah. Claypool. I mean, it's it's just kind yeah. of all those guys in that same area. So you'd rather I, have all the other guys that are kind of around him, right? So again, it. it I don't. I don't feel like if you trade Ayuk away, you're losing anything. If that makes sense. I agree. Can I give you two more names before we get out of here? Um, sure. DK Metcalf, obviously, like, bye. Probably going to be a new quarterback. This dude has been quieted this year, but he's a really good player. He's going to be a top dynasty wide receiver D- again. DK Metcalf has a Russell Wilson issue. I mean, Geno Smith was able to save his three game stretch or whatever it was. Right. And yeah. and I will say though, last week against Houston, DK Metcalf had a 26-yard touchdown that was called back due to a holding call. He had a three would have been three-yard touchdown on a slant. I mean, this there was nobody within six yards of him, and Russell just threw it like four feet behind him. Like it's just it was just a, one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my entire life. And he had another like 50-yard bomb, or that was uh, he didn't catch because it was uh, defensive pass interference. So. He could have had a much big, much, much bigger day yesterday or two days ago than 
than what he did. And maybe the conversation is a little bit different today, but I'm absolutely buying DK. I, I don't understand. He's the top tier dynasty wide receiver for me. I, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and then you get DK. I mean, that's Tyree kills in there. Yeah. I love DK as well. He's, he's up in there. And on the flip side, I'm trying to, tr- I'm getting off of Tyler Lockett. I mean, I don't know what he's going to be without Russ. So um, exactly. One other receiver I'm getting, and this is a good example. I own this guy in a lot of places, but I didn't at the beat or I didn't last off season. I traded for him, uh, you know, around the time the season started, that's Michael Gallup knowing that he's a free agent. That's a good example of a guy who we could see a major boost in. And he's a good player. I mean, you saw that touchdown. Michael Gallup's that he had. A very good football player. He's, a really good player and shout out CSU Ram went to school with him. So he's my boy. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I, I really like, I think can be a, a high end number two on a team, like maybe a one B or something. Uh, I think so yeah. the dream, I think the dream spot for me with Michael Gallup, pair him with Devante Smith. Yes. In, Phil- in Philadelphia, Quez in the Quez in the slot in Dallas Goddard. I mean, that's, that's, that would be an awesome, awesome core right there. Yep. All right, we went a little long, but that's okay because we're going to be off next week for the holidays. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. We are going to take our holiday off, so we won't be back for a couple of weeks. But I think we gave a lot of good info and insight today. So hopefully you're you know, in the playoffs, and, and this is helpful to making a run. Matt, you want to add something? Yeah, just real quick, I want to say rest in peace to Marys Thomas. Yes. If you uh, if you didn't read my weekly review or or see my tweet, go check it out. I had just you know one short interaction with him for a few minutes when I worked with the Broncos, but I think he a lot of people when they pass away, you know, people say how kind they were and how friendly they were. Like it's common to just say those nice things, but DT man, what he went through is unbelievable the fact that he came out as good of a human as he did and just as like humble and friendly and kind to everybody is is truly amazing you should go go read his story if you're not familiar um just couldn't happen to a better person and he's he's a huge part of all my broncos memories as a fan as an employee of the team so yeah thanks for mentioning that but uh, with that, uh, go check out the playoff article that we referenced on ffballday.com. Remember to head on over to our Patreon. Subscribe there, patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Happy holidays. Hopefully you uh, win a title. Um, we'll be talking in a few weeks again on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. Anywhere else.